Dear Cosmo Babies, on this week's episode, we brought in a very special guest that I am so excited for all of you to meet this week, Ivan Zoot. Thank you so much, Ivan, for being here today with us. I'm your host, Annie MacArthur, and it's just going to be me and Ivan, so we're going to jump right on into it. Welcome, Ivan. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yes, I like I do have to preface like I'm really excited about this one because the first time I was ever introduced uh to you as a stylist was when I was in cosmetology school. You came to the school that I went to and did a full presentation and my mind was blown so hard. <laughs> like I just like couldn't even believe like hairdressing like that was even like a real possibility. And so I'm just really excited for all the listeners. If they don't know you yet, this is their first introduction. And I just, I'm really excited for them to get to know you. Awesome. Yeah. You know what? I've spent a lot of time over the years uh, visiting cosmetology and barber schools and um, getting, you know, I always joke around because I'll ask, you know, who's the next one to graduate, you know, and somebody's hand shoots up and they're all excited. So we talk about how many hours do you have left and how close are you to graduation? And then I'll always say, okay, Who's the newbie? Who's the rookie? Who started cause school this week? And, you know, they start them in batches. So there's always like two or three um, Mm -hmm. students that are that are literally brand new. And then, you know, jokingly, but in all seriousness, I go, oh, my God, you're getting an Ivan Zoot presentation week one. I'm not sure what's left for you in the industry. <laughs> I I have to agree with that because it really is like once you get like the Ivan Zoot presentation, you're just like, what? Like, what did I just I, get myself I just, into? I just feel super bad for whoever comes in to present next week. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree because it, it really is unlike anything other. I, I'd love for you to give like a little introduction about like your personal history in the industry, how you got started, when you got started, and kind of let everyone know what your journey has looked like. Wow. You know, I mean, you said we were going to talk for a little while. I don't know if we have that kind of time. <laughs> I know. But, I'm. You know, I mean, the cliff notes, the cliff notes is go Google me, but cosmetology school first, barber school later, later in life than many at the time. Now, now we have lots of second career people coming into cosmetology. So really mm-hmm. it's no longer that a cosmetology school student is a recent high school graduate. You walk into schools and you have lots more as a percentage older adults and second career folks than we did back in my day. But uh, I went to college first. I finished college. I got a job, got exposure to the industry. Obviously, I've been a client, but really was drawn to the industry by a stylist of mine who I enjoyed very much, but I never liked the haircut. I kept going back and I never liked the haircut. And And there was nothing wrong with the haircut. But one day, walking through the parking lot, kicking the gravel on the way back to my car, muttering about how I wasn't happy with the haircut, I asked myself an important question. I said, why do I keep going back? And then I chose to answer that question. Mm -hmm. And really the answers to that question became the foundation, I think, for an awful lot of what I share in the industry. I went back because I liked her. The relationship I had with her was the relationship I believed one should have with one's hair professional. Mm-hmm. I like the location. I like the price. I like the environment. I like the magazines. I like the hair gel. I like the owner. I like the music they played on the radio. I liked every single thing about the experience except the haircut. And the message I took from that was, hey, wait a minute. This haircut business, it's not about haircuts. This, And I say this now as a presenter. I say, if you got into the beauty industry because you thought the haircut business was the business of cutting hair, you're in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. We are in the business of creating, cultivating, and maintaining relationships with humans. That's the business we're really in. By Absolutely. the way, along the way, coincidentally, yes, I'm going to cut your hair. Your hair will be shorter <laughs> when you leave. That's going to happen. And that was really what had me look at the industry and go, this could be kind of cool. I was in sales my whole life. I had some sales jobs that were not so great. I had some sales jobs where I made good money but didn't enjoy them. and. I think one of the things I've always brought to the industry is, let's remember, we're building relationships and it's a sales job. We need technical skills. We need to be able to deliver at a certain level. But mm-hmm. I mean, how many people already, you know, with, with even time in school? No, there are stylists out there who are insanely artistically talented who have two part-time jobs because they can't make enough money in the shop. Yeah, And absolutely. then there are stylists out there, there are stylists out there who... I wouldn't really be comfortable asking you to cut my grass. However, 
they're making money hand over fist and they're fully booked. Yeah. And people love them. So there's a message there beyond technical execution, which is what drew me to the industry. Along the way, you know, I've held every job except one. I am not a licensed cosmetology or barber school instructor. I've been a guest presenter, as you alluded to, mm-hmm. uh, in many schools for many, many years. They bring me in. I do my thing. They throw me out. They don't want me sticking around. Just do your thing and go because I would be a lot to take on a regular basis. But you have, you know, everything from shampoo girl to international artistic director, to presenter, to shop owner, to inventor, author. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of fun and, and I'm still having fun. Um, and world record holder. Let's add yeah, that in there yeah, as well. Yeah, let, <laughs> why, as long as we're piling it up, let's throw in, let's throw in Guinness world haircut record holder for yes. good measure. Absolutely. How, how many of those do you have? Is it three? Yeah, it's three. I broke all three. Uh, I broke the two existing records in 1998. In 2000, I was the first person to set a third one. Wrote a book about it. Wrote a book about efficiency and productivity, traveling, teaching. Somebody broke all three of my records. Wow. Got me a little, ups- got, got me a little upset. So on August 23rd of 2008, exactly 10 years to the day of the first time I broke the records, I recaptured all three records. Fastest haircut in the world, most haircuts in an hour, and the most haircuts in 24 hours nonstop without a break. And the message I have for your listener community, I did it 98 and 08, 10 years apart. When you break a record 10 years apart, it's no fluke. But the important point is, I'm never doing this again. So (laughs) the responsibility now lies in the hands of of a young person in our business, somebody who is new and young with a fresh perspective. Since I broke the records, the world has changed. We have tools and technology and systems and and human endeavor moves forward. And every four years at the Olympics, somewhere in the world, records fall. So I want to put it out there for your listener community. You want these records? I want to help you. My job is to clap for you, coach you, and be your largest cheerleader, your loudest cheerleader. Yes. Because I I will not always be Guinness World Record holder. I get that. I will always be Guinness World Record breaker. So somebody out there listening, it's your turn. I love that. That's incredible. I feel like that is like the definition of how our industry should look at the career paths of people. Like, we get to move through it. And then at a certain point, you have to, you have to mentor, you have to give back, you have to shape the people that are coming up and making sure that they have the best opportunity that they can. And I truly feel like you are a living embodiment of that, that like Thank as you. a yeah. person. You know what? I, I'll tell you this. I do a lot of personal one-on-one coaching of beauty and barber professionals. I also work with a lot of owners on growing their business. It's coaching, but it's at, at, at a different level involved in growing their business. One of the things, and I think new people in our industry, young people in our industry coming into our industry need to hear this. I tell every owner, you have to remember, all of your employees will eventually leave you for one reason or another. They're going to move. They're going to retire, so on and so forth. The single greatest reason why you can ever lose an employee is when they come to you respectfully, professionally, doing it the right way, when they come to you and say, hey, Mr. Smith, Mrs. Smith, Mr. Mrs. Owner, I need to give you my notice because I'm leaving to open my own shop. Mm-hmm. And when they tell you that, that is the, the confirmation of all the good you've done, that is, in a way, it's a reward. Now, I know, I know, I know salon owners that hear that and they're going to throw themselves off a roof because they're losing one of their star performers. It's the only reason you did this in the first place. Exactly. You knew they were, you knew they were going to leave, and you want them to leave right. You want them to leave in in a professional manner, respectfully, you know, with all the right pieces in place. But if you've done there, you know, somebody comes to me and people came to me and said that when I was an owner, and my answer is. That's awesome. What help do you need? How can I help you? Because they're going anyways. You know, we don't need mm-hmm. bad blood. We don't need bad feelings. And they're at a point in their lives when, you know, for many of them, this endeavor might fail. 
they're nervous. They're worried. They, they may be financially overextending themselves. They may be heading into an area of the unknown that's really kind of freaking them out. Mm-hmm. They need you now more than ever, but they need you differently than they needed you when they showed up on the porch with a bag of tools from cosmetology school looking for their job. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's what it's all about. So, you know, you come to me as an owner and tell me, hey, I got to give you two weeks. You know, I'm not stealing client records and I'm not doing all the nasty things that go on when people leave wrong. Mm-hmm. And now, and nowadays with social media, that's not even a thing. Yeah. Uh, like it was like, you know, like it was when I was in the business back in the day, but yeah, we are here to encourage that behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that mindset. And I love that that in particular is a conversation that is starting to happen in the industry more often, because I think that there, there are these kids, you know, kids quote, like these new stylists that are coming into the industry. And I think sometimes that's a fear for them is that like, there are still salons out there that are requiring, uh, NDAs or contracts, or, you know, you you can't, if you do leave here, you can't work within a certain mileage of, of this salon. And I think that's really scary for a lot of new professionals. So I love that there's this bigger conversation happening that is hopefully going to help all of these younger new professionals that are coming into the industry find this incredible pathway and find their way to somewhere that is actually going to teach them, train them, encourage them, grow them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a time when you left the salon and the owner would literally, the owner would literally tell clients when they came in looking or called looking for that stylist, she go, Oh no, I'm sorry. She left and we don't know where she went. Yeah, of course we know where she went. She went yeah. down the street. She hung up a sign. Uh, you know, obviously today with social media, that just doesn't even exist. That's just not even a thing anymore. But the, the, the greater idea, there's 328 million people in America. There is no shortage of clients for anyone. However, I will say, you know, all of us who went to beauty school, at some point there was a conversation in most curriculums about how to interview, mock interviewing, practice interviewing, practice mm-hmm. interview questions. What, what I think would be really great, and I've never really had this conversation with anybody, is we should also practice how to quit. As uh, yes, absolutely. How to do how to do that as a respectful professional with dignity. You know, let's face it, the industry, it's a big industry, but it's a small industry. Absolutely. You know, I, when I was in a barbershop business, after I sold my business, I worked part-time in a barbershop because at this point in my career, I was traveling a lot and teaching a lot, and I really couldn't own a place. I was working part-time, but I was in a community where I had grown up. A buddy of mine owned a barbershop. I used a chair a couple of days a week, but all of the barbers in this community used to have breakfast Tuesday morning at a restaurant in the area. And they're all competing shops. And it was really not a formal timing. It was like drop-in from like 7 in the morning till about 9.30 when everybody had to go work. But they all knew each other. They would all sit around and talk. And they would say things like, hey, I got to let you know, I had to let somebody go last week. Got a little problem. If he comes down to your shop, don't hire him. You know, or, hey, I, I had somebody apply. I can't use them. I told them to go see you. Everybody knew everybody. You know, yeah. you, you, you know, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fiend for pricing and price conversations and, mm-hmm. and our haircutter holiday, raise your haircut prices day in the USA, July one, everybody celebrates, but you know, in, in almost like an organized crime fashion, these guys would sit around a table and say, when are we going up? How much are we going up? And they would all go up together. So there wasn't any, there wasn't any worry or competition or anything, but, but it's a big industry and it's a small community that you're becoming a part of when you mm-hmm. join us. So uh, there's some cool stuff out there. Yeah. I really love that. A question that I had for you that it's, it's a kind of site like going in a different direction, but something I like really wanted to ask you was when did you fall in love with using clippers? You know, I, I, can, I can almost tell you the moment I went to beauty school. The latter part of beauty school, I got a job as a shampoo girl slash assistant in a very expensive high-end salon. I apprenticed with a hairdresser who, and they, they rotated you through them. But one of the guys I apprenticed with, you know, in all the typical assistant jobs, in the morning, I had to check in his book. I had to shampoo his customers. I had to reset, clean up his station, sanitize his stuff, all the grunt work that we all have to do and should do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, would, I was working for him, I think it was my fourth week working for him, and I came into the shop, and in those days, by the way, you have to know, 
the appointment book was a book. Mm-hmm. It was made. It was made out of paper. Yeah. We wrote. We wrote in it with pencils. So this is a long time ago. But one of the things we did, we'd go to the book and then we would transfer from the book because that morning, that's as updated as the book is going to be. We would transfer from the appointment book onto these long, skinny strips of paper. By time. The person's name, the time of their service, the service that was being performed. So it was my job to manage this list. You know, then once we close out the service, if there was any retail, but I'd have to look at the name, then go in the waiting area, find this woman, bring her back, shampoo her, get her ready. So four weeks in, I'm going over the book one morning, and all of a sudden, I had this epiphany. Every single person on the book that day was a client I had already served and experienced awesome short hair client cycle mm-hmm. his, none of his clients were gone more than three or four weeks before they were back in the chair i figured out very early on that the secret to making money in this business is short hair short hair comes back faster short hair takes less time in the chair short hair buys more products short hair buys more chemicals short hair sends more referrals mm-hmm. i got the short hair bug very very quickly Then I started attending hair shows very early. And at the time, in my area, most of the men's haircutting and clipper cutting education was being done by Wall at the time. Wall had kind of the community in my area. Mm -hmm. And there were two, two guys who did classes for Wall who I saw over and over and over again. And I just kind of, that drove me. I also think there was an element with regards to clipper cutting of an understanding very early about challenges associated with repetitive motion injuries. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I mean, at this point, let's face it, I've been in the business 35 years. I can still cut hair. I don't have a bad wrist and a bad shoulder and a bad back and bad knees. I've been doing something right. So, so very early on, I understood the power of short hair to impact your business. I feel like I'm getting like, like really kind of like almost fangirling right now because I feel like having this conversation with you is taking me back to when I was in cosmetology school because you were one of the first people that presented clipper cutting short hair education. You even showed us how to, and I'm like, I remember this so vividly, but you were, I remember you showed us how to do a long layered haircut with the clippers. And my, again, my mind was just blown. Like, oh my gosh, like I, all of these new things were opening up for me as a cosmetology student. And I instantly fell in love with clipper cutting and short hair. And it was, it's something that I have done my entire career. And so I'm like, so excited having this conversation with someone who like very much sparked that initial like inspiration in me. Very cool. And it's like, everything you're saying is like, yes, like it is so true. Like the, the short hair returns faster, the short hair, like I feel like it's for people out there that need that like instant gratification that doesn't always come from coloring or like long layered haircuts, like clipper cutting gives you that like instant gratification of like it's there and then it's not there. And it's like, it's just, I don't know, like short hair is awesome. It is my favorite thing. I'll give your listener community (laughs) the bad news they don't want to hear. And that is this. Okay. We, we, we're, 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 we're jonesing on short hair. We love short hair. We understand how impactful short hair can be for our business. What is, what? and you know the answer to this. I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> what is the number one best way and the number one fastest way to build a clientele of short-haired customers? Wear short it's hair. Four, cut your hair off. It's four little words. <laughs> cut your hair off. Now, I yes. go to beauty school. I, I go to a beauty school in which I'm speaking to a room with 46 girls whose hair goes down the middle of their back. Yep. And I say this and I explain this. And first of all, you know, if you get out of beauty school and you have any hair left on your head, that's a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> but they're, they're all listening to me and they're going, and you can see the body language. They're crossing their arms and they're shaking their heads. Yep. And they, they're luscious hair. Well, first of all, young lady, with the abuse you've been doing to your hair in cosmetology school, it's not all that luscious anymore anyway. Exactly. But, <laughs> you know, the, the, bottom six, the bottom six inches it technically is no longer hair. But yeah, when I say I'm like, cut your hair off. And usually over the years, it's gotten now, there's always a few students in the community that have the really short, cool haircuts. And they're all like, 
I, I, I found my spirit animal. They're like, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I know. I, when I, when I was back in cosmetology school, I actually, for the year prior before I went, I started growing my hair out because I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to want to have my hair as long as possible. So I could do as many things with it and get it shorter and shorter and shorter. And what did I do on my graduation day? I had a very short blonde pompadour. <laughs> Because that's all the hair I had left. There you go. And, and that's, that's how it works. That's, that's kind of how the universe is supposed to work. Absolutely. And it's funny because now I'm like, I still have short blonde hair. So it's like full circle moment. Yeah, there you go. So kind of, okay. So again, like pivoting a little bit, I definitely want to like talk about your books because you have, let's see, is it 14? 14 books? I, I This year, 14 came out. 15 is coming out real soon. That's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? It came from a mentor, somebody in the business. You know, A lot of your listeners will not know this name, and I'm going to throw it out there. You may know him. His name was Jim Jones. He was from East Lansing, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And when I was a beauty school student 35 years ago, he was the guy. He didn't have a brand connection. He was an independent educator. He did his own thing. But I attended a Jim Jones clipper cutting class in Milwaukee, it would have been 1987, and I sat in the back of the room with my, she's now my wife. At the time, she would have been my girlfriend slash fiance. Uh, you know, who knows when that stuff happened? But I sat in the back of the room, and I watched this guy demonstrate clipper cutting. I said, that's what I want to do. I want to be a barber slash clipper cutter educator. I kind of kind of saw that already. Of course, my wife, who's terribly supportive, said, Maybe you ought to learn how to cut hair first, okay? But <laughs> anyways, I got to know Jim. He became a really good friend of mine over the years. Cool thing, two years later at that same show, he was down the hall teaching a class. I taught one of my first classes. So it only took me two years. I was a year out of beauty school. I was already teaching classes at shows Amazing. in my niche. But he had said to me, he said, you can't reach enough people at shows. And remember, this is pre-social media. This is pre-internet. He said, you got to do videos and you got to write books. This mm -hmm. is what he said to me. Got to do videos, got to write books. Now, I did videos. I did videos, and your listeners are going to all have to Google this when I say it, but I did videos originally on VHS tape. Yes. I used to, I used to come to shows with boxes yes. of VHS tapes. Now, I've been around long enough that then, I, then, I, then I, we were doing DVDs. Mm -hmm. Then I was doing videos on USB jump drives. You know, the technology as it morphed. Today, of course, if you go to my website, videos are available in the form of digital downloads. Mm -hmm. You know, we've gotten all the way there. And, and of course, then there's YouTube and everything else. But this guy's advice was, you got to record it. You got to put it out there in mass so people can get it. I started by writing these little books that were sort of little square books on an online print-on-demand platform before Amazon even had Kindle Direct Publishing. I started with that. and then. Over time, the, you know, the books got real, if you will. They got a little bigger, a little more serious. $100,000 Haircutter, BA $100,000 Haircutter is probably one of my best-selling titles. I have a book, 100 New Haircut Customers in 100 Days. That has been a huge for graduates and students and new professionals because it jumpstarts your career. It's a $25 book with a money-back guarantee. 100 New Haircut Customers in 100 Days, or I will give you your money back. If you're brand new in the industry, that's the foundation of your clientele. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you've been around, if you've been around a little while, a hundred more is your level up. And what I tell people is if you're an established veteran in the business, you want a hundred new customers because you've got a hundred customers you don't want anymore. Mm -hmm. It's about leveling, leveling up your clientele. Um, one of the most recent books, which is ultimately going to be my best seller. The only reason it's not my best seller yet is because it hasn't been out there long enough to outsell some things that have been in the marketplace a lot longer, but it's called the professional haircutters pricing playbook. Yes. And the cool, the cool thing about this book is it's the only book I've ever written that I did not finish. And what I mean by that is when you flip through the book, it is filled with blank spaces. Use a pencil. This is where you put in your, you take your numbers right off your booking app. You take your numbers right off of your spiral notebook and you plug in your numbers and you work the formulas because it's so important to understand financial decisions and business decisions are not made with your gut, your heart, or your head. They're made with a pencil and a calculator because mm -hmm. what they need to be made with where our industry falls down 
When you hear people talk about pricing and they talk about being nervous and worried and anxious and I'm going to lose customers and all these other things, financial and pricing decisions need to be made with confidence. And the confidence comes from understanding at a stone cold sober level mm-hmm. your, your numbers, where you're at, because your numbers dictate it all. If your numbers are, and I, I lay all this out in the book, if your numbers fall here, you can do this. If they're here, you can't do that yet. If they're here, you got to do this first. Uh, and I walk people through all of this. And I tell people, $25 book, use a pencil. You can use this book for 25 years. Buck a year. Yeah. And it'll grow with you. It becomes literally, imagine if Ivan was your living, breathing, growing, coaching mentor who grew along with you in the business because yeah. you're going to put numbers in, you're going to rework the formulas and they're going to tell you to do something different. Yeah. Everybody needs that. That's, a, yep. oh my gosh. It's, yep. I feel like that's like another huge thing in our industry where people, they don't even know, they don't know how to price something. They don't know how to increase their prices. They don't know when, they don't know how, they don't know why. And it's like, it's so important to have something like I was, that. I was, I was in San Antonio this past weekend. Uh, Columbus, Ohio next weekend, premiere shows. And I just had a class called the Professional Haircutters Pricing Playbook based on the class and and took people through this. And when I share this class, and I love sharing the numbers class, I love getting into the numbers because it's so eye-opening for people. Because typically, many people who are stronger creatively don't necessarily come to the game with the chops in mm-hmm. the numbers and they and they'll, they'll yes, acknowledge that absolutely but, um, so so many people said things like why didn't they teach us this why don't we all know this mm-hmm. and i tell people i go these are this is not ivan's information i don't own these formulas or this this information this is ours this is this is the way we work i'm maybe just the guy who decided to gather it all together and lay it out in a way that we could play with it yeah uh, but but it's ours and and i really try to share it from that perspective that's really incredible it, again it goes back to that whole giving back mentality and it's it's so important to the words that we use is like i feel so important and even just explaining something like that is uh, it, that in itself has such a huge impact on the industry also. I've been on YouTube a long time. I've got YouTube videos that are literally from when YouTube was in its second week. I got on board YouTube real, real early. My podcast, YouTube, there's a new video every Wednesday at 12.01 a.m. My podcast comes out every Sunday at 2 p.m. Central Time. YouTube tends to lean more technical because you can see it. The podcast, of course, is almost exclusively business, business building, business-related content until I can figure out how to do a haircut on audio. We'll stick with business on the podcast. Yeah. But but I want to invite people to go check those out because that content is absolutely free. You know, and, and I, there's a constant battle that goes on in my house with my wife going, you're giving it all away. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Lots of people gave me lots. I'm going to give away a lot of stuff because people still buy books. They buy consulting services. They come see me at shows. They buy by my patented combs and things like that. And the more you give away, the more comes back anyways. Don't worry about it. So let's, let's just give stuff away and, and the system will take care of it. The universe will take care of itself. Yeah. Ivan, since you've kind of like grown in the industry from a place that, that didn't have social media and didn't have this like huge online option and, and that wasn't really there. Do you prefer having been more in person and writing books and doing things like that? Or do you like the digital space that is now available? Or do you even have a preference over one or the other? Well, what I'm going to tell you is this. I've got a class coming up. I'm not sharing it this week in Columbus. I know I'm sharing it in Philadelphia at the Major League Barber event, which is coming up in November. The class is called 10 Things I Know For Sure About the Beauty and Barber Business. Because there's a lot of things I don't know. Uh, you know, I will never claim to know everything. I know a little bit, but there are 10 things I know for sure about our industry. And what you're alluding to is thing number eight on my list. And thing number eight on my list, and by the way, it will be the subject of the podcast this week. I love Thing it. number eight on my list is technology. And this is one of the 10 things I know for sure about the beauty and barber industry. Technology has made the beauty and barber business better and worse. And I, mm-hmm. I want to give you an example of what I mean by that. I am frequently asked on programs like this. I'm invited on. Very often we're talking to students and new professionals. 
And sometimes they end the program with this. So if this was going to be your ending question for me, I'm going to go there now and we'll fix it later. <laughs> totally. But they say to me, they say, Ivan, in closing, if you had one tip or suggestion to give students and new professionals as they enter into our industry, what would that tip be? And yep. that's, you know, this classic closing question. Of course. And here it is, guys. I'm going to give it to you. If you would like to be wildly successful in our industry at your first job, when you arrive for work at your first job, lock your cell phone in the trunk of your car. And now this is where I hear, okay, boomer, you know, they kind of head down that road because here's the deal. You need to be fully physically and mentally present. And I believe, and, and I'm sorry, but I got I to gotta turn into the cranky old guy now. And I'm actually really, I'm getting really good at cranky old guy because I'm becoming cranky old guy. But young people don't know how to do this. You know, I know you're going you're gonna to tell me, but I need my booking app and I need my phone to take pictures. You know what? Great. For $49, go online and buy a tablet, buy a small tablet that lives in the shop. And the tablet has your booking app. It's got a phone. It's got maybe your appointment book, whatever. It's got mm -hmm. just the tools you need to actually serve customers. Get your head out of your phone. Get your mind out of your phone. There's a time for that. You're not there yet. When you're new in the business, everything that needs to happen happens offline. Now, at night, when you get home, you want to listen to my podcast, you want to watch my videos, and you want to nerd out online looking at haircuts on Instagram, mm -hmm. great, great, but not in the shop. Yes. I can't agree with that more. I recently, I, I, I left the salon that I was working in because there's just like so much going on and I didn't have the amount of time to devote to it as, as I wish that I would have had. But what my job was primarily was running our assistant program, hiring, training, getting them set up, making sure that they had what they needed. And I cannot agree with you more on that because half the day it'd be like, Hey, put your phone away. Hey, you know, let's, let's do this over here or constantly kind of having to remind them because they, the assistants that I primarily worked with were younger under the age of like 25 or so. So these kids have grown up with their, their cell phones and internet and everything else. And they're so addicted to it that they just, they, they can't be torn from it, you know? And yeah. yeah. And, and there's no question that, that modern tools like booking apps, like being able to have you know, I say this all the time, a secondary Instagram mm -hmm. that is just pictures of haircuts that is used as a consultation tool. You know, my consultation yeah. tool was a style book in the waiting room that looked like it had been chewed by a hamster. It was so beat up and old and ragged and people were taping pictures in and tearing pictures out. And the, the Instagram as style book, having an extra one, and I tell people three wide by 33 down. And you rotate the pictures in and out of it. No more than 100 pictures. You got to have some classics in there. You got to have some trendy in there. What a powerful tool. I would never tell anyone not to play our game yeah. and not use the tools that are available to you. Technology has made our industry better and worse. But at the same Absolutely. time, the, av the average 22-year-old doesn't know how to look a human in the eye when they speak to them. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, and, and when I go back to our business is a business of building and maintaining relationships with humans, what you got to remember is while you may look at me and go, okay, boomer, you got to remember me and all of my boomer friends are the ones that have all of the money to be your customers. It's true. You know, your other 22 year old friends are also mm -hmm. broke, just like you, and they're not buying $250 balayage. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're going to have to, at some point, deal with me and my senior friends <laughs> who are going to get upset when we ask you a question and you mumble under your breath and look at your shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's something that we definitely have to train in the, in the salon. And it was something that we had to go over consultation, how to, how to look people in the eye, how to sit with them, how to talk to them, how to clearly communicate. And, and it really does make a difference when that cell phone is put away versus if they have it and have access to it the entire time, it really makes a huge difference.
And I feel like it also helps to up the quality of the actual service itself. It helps elevate it because you're not, you're not distracted by your cell phone. You're not kind of grabbing for it all the time or checking your text messages in between and like those kind of things that can tend to The word is, the word is you are present. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Do you still cut hair at all? Or are you just teaching primarily? I currently don't cut hair. I stopped cutting hair, obviously, at the beginning of the pandemic. Obviously, things went online. I'm doing a lot more classes online. I did a lot of online school classes. Excuse me. My business online evolved. I launched my online academy, my $100,000 Haircutter Academy. It is an online business academy. It's out there. All these links are on my Instagram, on my Linktree thing on there. I use uh, the Bopper card. It's all on my Bopper page. And then, of course, shows came back. And I'm in such a heavy rotation of shows. I've got a show every week now till Thanksgiving. And then I'm off for the holiday season. And I keep, like, I got a haircut today. And, you know, I go in a shop and I come out of a shop and I'm like, I got to cut hair. I got to get back behind the chair. I got to cut hair again. I've got such an itch for this to get back into it. And it's been too long. And I don't think it's going to be a whole lot longer before I wind up part-time. But, you know, the challenge is I'm going to be a really horrible employee because, you know, every Saturday I'm going to the airport to fly and, and uh, you know, I got a lot going on, but I'm pretty confident if I went looking for a job, I could probably find somebody willing to hire me. Yeah, I would agree with that. I feel like anyone's <laughs> going to be like, yeah, this chair over here, that's definitely going to be private. So... <laughs> I, it, it is it is hard though to to balance all of that and it's I, I think it's such an interesting concept for for younger stylists that don't really know or understand the dynamics of the the larger picture of the industry beyond the salon or just standing behind the chair there is a lot happening and I you know there are so many shows there are so many classes there are so many things going on and I think it's really incredible to have people like you, kind of showing this this new wave of industry professionals that are coming in the bigger picture of everything. I tell people I tell people all the time a cosmetology license is nothing more than a ticket of entry into the game. Yeah, absolutely. You decide you decide where and how you want to play. You're in, you know, you pass the test, congratulations. Let's go. But I also think that that sometimes maybe we do the disservice of putting so much focus on serving clients behind the chair. And, and I think everyone should do some of that. But I think we all know, and one of the cool things about our business is working behind the chair is not for everyone. Not everyone has the the some of the, the skills that are so key to that versus whether it's editorial work or research and development or education or ownership and management or any of a wealth of things, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, movie TV, I mean, who knows? There, beauty touches everything mm-hmm. uh, in some way. You know, I always say you put two women in a room and close the door. Within six minutes, they're going to talk about hair. It's true. Any any two women, put them in a room, <laughs> close the door, close the door, just turn on, a, turn on a recording device. It'll take less than six minutes. They're going to be talking about hair. You know, either one of them's going to compliment the other one or one of them's going to say, oh, my God, I hate my hair. And then off they go. That's just the nature of, of how hair is. And, and I say this too. I, I said it in San Antonio. I said, if you were in San Antonio for the premiere show last weekend, you may not have noticed it. But if you looked outside, this is America. And in America, in the beauty and barber business, the streets are still paved in gold. There's so much out there. There's mm-hmm. so much opportunity. And with that opportunity, there's so much money. And w- when you hear somebody talk about, literally, I was in the barbershop today. I told you I got this haircut today. True story. Guys cutting my hair. Another guy cutting hair in the other chair. There's two guys in the shop. The guy that was a client there, he was saying goodbye. He was leaving. And the guy who was cutting my hair said, who knew that other guy as well, he said, yeah, he goes, he's really struggling right now. He's going through a lot. He's thinking about leaving his job. Oh no! And then the barber said, that was cutting my hair, said to the other barber, he goes, hey, I didn't hear you ask him if he wanted to be a barber. Because they're looking for, they got an empty chair. They're looking for a barber. And this guy's talking about maybe leaving his job. And then I was really saddened to hear this because the barber in the second chair who wasn't cutting my hair said to the barber who was cutting my hair, yeah, but he needs to make more money than this. And I'm sitting here going, are you freaking kidding me? And that's a barber who clearly needs to hire, who's been, and these are not young guys either. It's an old man barbershop. And I'm sitting here going, if you're not making, and and your listeners need to hear this, if if you're in our industry 
and you're not making the kind of money that is making your friends jealous, mm-hmm. you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I can help you. That's my job. Yes. My job is to help you. But if you're not, and I can remember guys coming into my shop, guys I went to high school with when I had my shop way back. And one buddy in particular, we were friends in high school. He went to college and I went to a two-year college. He went to a four-year college. After college, he went to law school, graduated college, got a degree. He's now a lawyer working for a law firm, sits down in my chair for a haircut. He goes, man, I envy you. I go, why? What's going on? He goes, he goes, you got a real job. He goes, I'm a lawyer. It's kind of being a lawyer is like, it's a bunch of crap. He goes, but you, you, you own a business and you got a real job. And I never had an issue with, you know, any kind of self-esteem or status or where is barber slash cosmetologist in, in the hierarchy of the world. Yeah. Maybe that, that's just, that's, a, you know, my conceit and my arrogance and my personal view of the world. But, but I, I, I never saw any of that. But if you, and I'll say it again, I thought it was cool that I said it. I'm going to say this. I'm going to use this later. If you're not making the kind of money that makes your friends jealous, you're doing something wrong in our business. Yeah. Because I know plenty of people that are making money that plenty of people are not mm-hmm. in this business. Yes. The opportunity is really limitless. There are enough clients for everyone to go around. There's enough room for everyone in this industry. You can make as much money as you want to make. It just depends on how much you're willing to put into it. Yeah, how much you're willing to put in it. And you know, let's face it, there are some niches in our industry that underperform relative to others. Mm-hmm. And those are choices. And you also have to look at your career as a, it's a path, it's a trajectory. It's certainly not a straight line. It's going to be a bit of a crazy zigzag and there's going to be ups and downs. You know, my family, and, and I hope this can be valuable to your listeners because I know we're going to run out of time soon, but my family has always operated with a philosophy. And I'm the only one in my family in the beauty and barber business. We have, we have people in a variety of other endeavors and, you know, from my siblings to my, my in-laws and things like that. But my family's philosophy has always been wherever you are in life, you should either be earning or learning. And it's imp- generally speaking, it's hard to do both. So you have to stop and ask yourself right now, am I earning or am I learning? And what we mean by this to explain it is if you're at a point in time in which you're embarking on a new endeavor, mm-hmm. you're probably it's probably going to cost you a little bit of present income mm-hmm. in exchange for the level up that is involved in learning the things that you're learning right now. Conversely, when you get to a point in any job, career, or endeavor, when you get to a point where you're hitting on all cylinders and you're cranking, your book is full, you're jamming the work, you're putting out unbelievable hair, hair color, or whatever you do, you're probably in a mode in which the learning has leveled off because you're executing that which you have learned. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's there's the metaphor I can come up with best here is there's a bit of surfing to prevent the burnout, to keep you fired up, to keep you motivated. Sometimes you got to take your own temperature and go, hey, am I earning or learning? Am I struggling right now because I'm in a high earning mode and I'm being squunched creatively? Or am I frustrated right now because I'm in a high learning mode and I'm not seeing the return? Mm-hmm. But I think when you can step back and go, oh, no, I get it. I get it right now. I'm learning. Right now I'm learning. But what that means is we're just around the bend from the hockey stick that is the payback for yeah. the effort that was the learning. I love Does that. that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is such a great way to, and I love that philosophy. And I feel like that, that can really help kind of fix some of those moments of where it feels chaos. And then you can ask yourself that question and figure out where you're at. And also figure out where you are happiest. You know, I think we all probably have some cousin or some family member who just can't seem to get out of college. You know, they go to college, then they go to grad school, then they get a doctorate, then they're getting another, bless you, then they're getting another master's degree. And we sometimes are critical of those folks. It's like, when are you going to go have a real life now? <laughs> yeah. You know? Get, get a job and go have a real life. But this just may be somebody who has discovered that their happy place is learning. Yeah. And they want to continue and they want to drive that. And and no critical comment on this in any way, but there are other people and our industry has room for them. They learn something. They figured out how to turn that into an ATM. Mm-hmm. 
and they just don't need to learn anything else anymore. Because yeah. and and they're they're happy and they're content. And we know people who will not be content doing something, but they're happy and they're content, and they could do that for thirty more years, no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, God bless them. God bless mm-hmm. them. You know, they'll be happy. Definitely. But but you, not everybody fits in a clean box like that. Totally. Uh, yeah. I really love that. Actually, I'm like, I'm going to apply that today to my life in the future. So thank you for sharing that. Awesome. (laughs) All right, Ivan, are you ready? Are you ready for the question? (laughs) I'm going to switch it up a little for you, though. You have to already answer. (laughs) I know. I'm like, but I have a specific question I, I always love to ask. And obviously, it's the question that you ask at the end all the time. But what would you tell yourself? back in beauty school, what advice would you give yourself knowing everything that you've learned? If you could go back and. That's a great one. And I I tell this to students all the time. When you are in beauty school, beauty school is like being pregnant. And what I mean by that is a beauty school student, someone who's pregnant, all of a sudden they become a wizard for dates and math. How many days until I'm due? How many days until I'm due? A beauty school student knows how many hours they have, how many hours they have left, mm-hmm. and they're counting them off. It's it's like they're in jail. It's like, you know, and they're just so hyper-focused on the 1500th hour or the 1800th hour, whatever it is mm-hmm. where they are. And what I tell people is, if you talk to anyone who's ever been in beauty school, with a Kaiser Barber license, who's ever been in school, if you ask them, and if they're honest with you, they will say to you, I wasted my time in beauty school. And I don't mean that beauty school is a waste of time. I love beauty schools. I spend all kinds of time in beauty schools. What I mean is beauty school students are always in such a hurry to get the hell out of there that they don't make the most of there when they're there. So my advice would be to myself or to anyone else, slow your roll. You know, when I was in school on the clinic floor rotations, we used paper. We had a checklist. You had to do so many men's haircuts and so many ladies' haircuts and so many roller sets and so many mm-hmm. blow-dry iron curl services. And if you ever see yep. a student, when they, do, when they do the last of something on the sheet, they got the sheet, they got the pen, they go running to find the instructor going, I did it, 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 I did the last one. Check it off, check it off, check it off, and I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> They're so excited not to do it anymore. And I tell people, you don't get it. The object of beauty school is if the sheet says you got to do eight of something, you want to do 88 while you have the gift and the luxury of standing in front of a sign that says all work performed by students under the supervision of a licensed instructor. Yes. Because that, that sign is a liability release. Yep. In, in, you know, I know it by heart. All work performed by students under the supervision of a licensed instructor. In English, I know what it says because I can read it. But what it really means is, dear Mr. or Mrs. Client, chances are today we are going to screw up in grand and glorious style. And guess what? It's okay. Because it's a learning environment. And so many people are in such a hurry to get out. And you wind up in a salon 15 seconds after you pass the test. Mm -hmm. They don't have a sign that says, hey. Warning, this could go bad. Yeah. The expectations are perfection. And quite honestly, as a student, you can't live up to the expectation of perfection. As a recent graduate, you cannot live up to the expectation of perfection. And with 35 years in the business, I am struggling from time to time to live up to the expectations of perfection. Yeah. It just doesn't, it's it's not a thing. So enjoy the ride. Yes. And make the most of it and use this time and this opportunity because, man, it's over in a flash. I love that so much because it's it it's the advice that I would give myself also. And I really, I love it so much. And I love asking this question so much because a lot of the time it's very similar answers. And it's always slow down, enjoy the moment and screw up as much as possible while you're in school. And, and I the, just... other thing, the other thing I would have said, I would have added to that because you have to keep in mind 
you know, beauty school was almost 36 years ago. The other piece of advice I would have given myself was to buy Apple, buy Google, and buy <laughs> yeah. Tesla stock when the opportunity presents itself. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> and I learned this from a client, so it's very appropriate. The secret of life. Who doesn't want the secret of life? And it's a two-part secret. Three parts, maybe. The secret of life is you want to get five minutes ahead of the equation if I only knew then what I know now. Yeah. Now, part two is recognizing it's impossible. You can't know something before you know it. You can't yeah. get ahead of the curve like that. So part one is the secret is if I only knew then what I know now. Part two is recognizing and accepting it's impossible to do. And part three is even with that information going through life with your eyes, your ears open and your antennas up, still trying to beat it, still trying to beat the system. Mm -hmm. I feel like this has been a wonderful little journey <laughs> together with like so much good information and like really awesome advice. And again, I've said it before, but I feel like this is truly like a full circle moment for me. So I really appreciate your time for today. And, and I know that our listeners are going to get so much out of this. And I also want to make sure that like, go follow Ivan on everything on all social platforms, Go look, the whole the world, yeah, go look the at the academies. Go look at the books. World. It's all Ivan Zoot. Ivan Zoot. Yes. Ivan Zoot's the website. Ivan Zoot's the Instagram. Ivan Zoot's the YouTube. Just Google my name, and it, you know, yes. I say if you can't, if you can't find me, your Google's broken. Yes, absolutely, and do it all, and check out the new comb. So make sure that you check yeah. out the new comb <laughs> that yeah, is available. All, there's, all, there's always something new. The one comb was introduced this year. It's been really cool. It's been really fun to share that with the industry. The feedback's been awesome. Just this past weekend in San Antonio was our single biggest sales event for the new one comb. We sold more, more beauty and barber professionals left that show with a one comb than have ever done it at any other event. So, you know, and we launched the product in February. So that's, you know, we're on the upswing with it and it's doing great. Yeah, that's very exciting. It's so. making people's lives easier and more fun and, and they're <laughs> doing great. They're doing great things with it. Well, thank you so much, Ivan. And thank you to all of our listeners. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode. And make sure that you like this podcast episode, leave a comment, drop us a DM, and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks so much. And, let, let, and let's do this again sometime after you guys come back from Japan, because I'm going to yes. want to hear about that. Oh, absolutely. absolutely.